to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris, and I'm not joined by my usual co-host, Lee, this episode. No, we've got a special guest host joining us, because Lee thought it would be pretty funny if I sat down and recorded this episode with my wife. So everyone, please welcome Claire back to the show. Hi. So, yeah. Lee heard the title of this film and thought, you know what? It'd be kind of funny if Claire and I sat down and did Divorce Italian Style. I think I can hear her laughing now. Yeah. <laughs> it's All pretty... listeners can imagine the laugh. It's a distinctive laugh, so yeah. yeah. Maniacal. Yeah. yeah. But uh, before we get into that episode, uh, I mean, before we get into the film, I should say, uh, we've got a little bit of uh, some listener mail that I'm going to quickly uh, just dive into. Um, we've had a couple of responses and things um, on Lee's Instagram. Um, we've got a, Lee's Instagram. I mean, well, the Lee, Instagram. The Instagram that Lee is running. Yes. Yep. Uh, Bessie XYZ uh, said it is on Leclise from a little while ago. Chaplice? What did you call it? Leclise Mashish. Mashish. <laughs> yes. Uh, she said Leclise is definitely uh, her least favorite of the trilogy. Uh, La Nota is a much better film. Um, you still get the symbolism, but the story is much clearer. And so are the characters' motivations. So, Lenotta is now the one of the trilogy that I've not seen. So I'm very intrigued once we get to that. I, I really mm. like La Ventura, so... Yeah, it's interesting that that's what... In my mind, I hear Leclise and I still think of that. Is that the one I thought was a full moon party? Yes, yes. yes. So I've, I've, I don't know what the real story is anymore. Yeah. Don't worry about it. The third one, the one that the listener says is better, that sounds better. Okay. <laughs> <Lenotte. Yeah. laughs> I've noticed that. I, I've stopped for La Ventura, so I'm now intrigued. So, um, The Film Influence podcast, uh, this is on talking about the, the infamous Jules and Jim episode where we just did not oh. like it. Uh, they said Truffaut is a timeless icon. Uh, they particularly enjoy Breathless and the 400 Blows, but they've never actually watched this iconic piece. Um, of Jules and Jim. Yeah, oh. and so they've said they might have to tune into the podcast before they dive into it. So if you did that, we're really sorry if, <laughs> if you enjoyed that because, yeah. I didn't hate it. Yep, yeah, it's an odd one, though. It's, it's, yeah. I didn't hate it. I hated her. Yeah. But I didn't hate it. Um, continuing on the Jules and Jim thing, yeah. uh, Bessie XYZ, again, uh, thank you for chiming in and letting us know you said, uh, she says, the more y'all talking about how cray Catherine was, the nurse <laughs> in me was like, she sounds like she has borderline personality disorder. Yep. I'm not an MD, so I could be wrong, uh, but I'm glad <laughs> I wasn't the only one that was a little bit iffy about it. Uh, she also says that she loved The 400 Blows, and it's much, a much better film than Jules and Jim. I totally agree. Um, otherwise, I guess, uh, we've got one or two little ones as well. Um, we've got, uh, I believe it's, uh, Oliver, actually, who is, uh, a Criterion Creeps listener who's, uh, come over and board. Um, he was saying that Canal is on Canal, our most recent episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Canal needs an award, uh, to win an award for, <laughs> for somehow making chicks remain super sexy while covered in shit. <laughs> I thought it was kind of gross, sexualizing them in that environment. But when I tell my wife I feel like they're sexualizing something, she just says they aren't, and I'm just a creep. So, that was a great analogy. Uh, oh, I, love I, I love your wife. Yeah. 
Um, otherwise, uh, we'd recently thrown out with the... Um, we'd started getting... Uh, listener submissions for the tagline challenge that Lee and I've been doing, Ooh. and so we've got a, a good friend, Captain Internationalist uh, Andrew, over on the Patreon. He's submitted a couple for us. Our uh, first for Canal. Uh, he said, "This is his suggestion for the tagline: In war, you don't simply die for love. In war, you crawl through the bowels of hell. Then you die for love." <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty great. And then Ashes and Diamonds. He said. The war for their world is ending, but the battle for their country is just beginning. That was oh. awesome. That is fucking spot on. That, that is a great, great tagline. Well done, Andrew. Uh, we really appreciate getting all the uh, comments and feedbacks, uh, hit, hitting us up on the Instagram, the Twitter, and the Patreon. It's really great to hear from everybody, so keep it up. And uh, Lee has been across all of that stuff and absolutely loves it as well. Uh, but on that note, I think we should... It's about time to jump into our movie. Yeah, I've already forgotten its actual name. Really? Yeah, you introduced it just before, didn't you? Yeah. Is it called just Divorce? Italian style. Really? Divorce, Italian style. No, but what's the Italian name? Uh, Divorce dall'Italiano. Okay. (laughs) I don't know, yeah. But it is, yeah, it's Divorce Italian style. It is by Pietro Germi. And the criterion synopsis is Baron Fernandino, uh, Marce- Marcello Mastriani. Uh, longs- good Italian. Thank you. Not as good as the French, but I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, he longs to marry his nubile young cousin, Angela. Don't worry, we're going to get into that. Uh, but one <laughs> obstacle stands in his way. His fatuous and fawning wife, Rosalia. Uh, his solution? Since divorce is illegal, he hatches a plan to lure her- his spouse into the arms of another man, then murder her in a justifiable effort to save his honour. The Criterion Collection is proud to present director Pietro Germi's hilarious and cutting satire of Sicilian male chauvinist culture. Uh, and then some stuff that I'll get in. Yeah. Winners of some stuff well, that I'll get already, into. Already, that synopsis has really helped me with some questions. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, we should obviously say neither of us had seen this one before. Yeah. Um, I am familiar with Marcello Mastrioni uh, from all, a lot of his Fellini work, things like La Dolce Vita, Eight and a Half and things. Um, he's a very n- well-known Italian actor, so, and he's great whenever he pops up. So that was about all I knew about this movie going in. Yeah. Um, well, one of my first things I saw at Mike... Okay, 1961. So is black and white film, I know obviously it's cheaper. Yes. But is that like a specific choice or is that still like the norm in Italian cinema at that's that kind, time? That's kind of still the norm in Italian cinema at that time. Um, yeah. It wasn't until sort of the mid to late 60s and on way bigger budgeted stuff, like things, uh, I'm going to like Visconti's The Leopard. Um, stuff like that that has kind of co-financing from like 20th Century Fox and things and has, you know, Burt Lancaster as your star. Like, you get, even though it is still in Italian, but it's, you know, affordability of colour film stock in Italy, especially like just in Europe in general around that time was really scarce. Not funded spaghetti western styles, yeah. Yeah, well, the spaghetti westerns, it's another decade on almost, so, yeah. Yeah, so... Or, like, you know, uh, I mean... Five, five, six years, we'll say. Like, it's... Yeah. And, like, the thing with the spaghetti... A lot of the spaghetti westerns... It's... They, like... If you're able to pre-sell a film, like, Mm -hmm. in the markets and stuff, it kind of helps boost your budget. And having the American stars, you know, you've got, hey, we've got Lee Van Cleef and Clint Eastwood. That kind of helps a little bit, but, yeah. It's like pre-selling a Mission Impossible film. 
What? Explain. Well, they were all backed by all the... Oh, yeah, the chi- oh, the Chinese companies yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like millions of people are going to watch it already. And you're like, okay, sure. Unless, I'll make another one. Unless John Cena accidentally goes oh. and... <laughs> yeah, that's the furious. Uh-oh. Yeah. Topical. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to see how that, like... Yeah, that, that gives you a hint of as to when we're recording this episode. <laughs> I'm very intrigued to see if that how bad he fucked up that franchise. <laughs> I um I, I went to the movies the other like yesterday and I saw that trailer beforehand. Mm. Um, and I just started laughing um <laughs> like out loud and it's like I was almost like Robert De Niro keep fearing it just like cackling to myself in the back row because it's like you know planes for like you know cars flying off of jets and like things smashing and crashing and all this insanity. Wait, is this one also space? I think they go to space. Helen Mirren's in it now. <laughs> Just like, it's so over the top and insane. And they're using magnets. <laughs> and I just started cackling laughing because the first film is about them trying to, like, hijack DVD VHS combo players. <laughs> and look at where we are now. <laughs> I forgot that's what the premise was. Yeah, they were like criminals who stole a truckload of VHS DVD combos. Well, that was... High quality stuff in two thousand and one. Yeah, true. Two thousand one. Yeah, I mean, it made dubbing like DVDs onto VHS super easy. So, <laughs> not that I ever did that. Did that. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, it's, this is an odd film. Were you expecting a comedy, like as broad of a comedy? I would say. Well, you did say when you were trying to like lure me into doing this. You're like, it's a comedy. Yeah. Like you know. I need to know it's not a horror yes. because I do not do horror films. So that's why Chris is like, it's a comedy. And, and uh, the <laughs> level of horror films, like uh, the movie I went and saw yesterday was Quiet Place Part 2. Not even that. Like, absolutely no. no. Not doing it. <laughs> not happening. So I, so I had to have to be, yep, explained a little bit. It's a comedy. And I'm like, okay. But then I'm also like, uh, you know, it's, it's, no, a 19, 19s- it's a 1960s comedy in Italian there's going to be some like hurdles for me to jump and I did not feel like I was jumping any hurdles to laugh out loud. That is a great thing to hear. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's awesome. Cuz I I a lot of when I hear like 1960s Italian comedy, I I don't expect it to be as broad as this was in in terms of just like accessibility and I don't want to say cheap laughs because because it, yeah, everything's kind of cheap but i can't think of a bit, like you know what i'm trying there to say there were no fart jokes no no but like simple kind of jokes of yeah. like being able to elicit a awesome like laugh from just a like oh. a, the clicking of the teeth or like a look that marcello mm-hmm. gives like it's it's yep. so simple and weird and surreal and a yep. playful film that deals with a lot of kind of dark natures yeah um I'd recently been rewatching some uh, Elaine May films, and it really reminds me of some of that stuff, like um, <clears throat> the Heartbreak Kid. I rewatched when um, Charles Grodin unfortunately passed away, um, which is a film about he is like just pressuring his wife to get married so that they can finally have sex, and then they go away on their honeymoon, and he realizes he she's kind of annoying, and he meets Sybil Shepherd literally on like the first day of their honeymoon, and so he's trying to like leave his wife on the honeymoon. Like, so, yeah. Kind of like y- that. And of then, course, you're feeling yeah. yeah. And another great one um, that I just want to shout out, if no one has seen it, called A New Leaf, with which actually stars Elaine May herself and Walter Matthau. And he plays a rich guy who is completely out of money, and so he 
he comes up with the idea of, well, I'll marry a dumb rich lady and then kill her and inherit all of her money. So it's kind of like almost an amalgam of those two. Yep. So I was like, oh, this is familiar territory for me. I'm okay with this. I was thinking that there were a lot of films with familiar sort of ideas behind them. Hmm. It reminded me a lot of like different Hitchcock ones of knocking off different spouses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing and different plans to get away with not seeming like you're the one that did it yeah yeah well i mean let's let's dive into it like the i love how much this film brilliantly plays up how frustrated he is with his wife and she is the nicest lady ever <laughs> she, all she yeah. does is like want to give him a kiss on the cheek at night and things and he's just like oh, fuck <laughs> no, gross, cooties. Um, he's so. She just wants. She just wants to, and she puts up with his horrible family living with them and mm. all sorts of things. And she's just content with that life but, until he forces other situations to occur. Yeah, but but I mean, I I do love. <laughs> How our father filmmakers went to try and convince us that she's unattractive by oh. drawing on a mustache and a monobrow. And a mole. And the mole. And it's like but at she's... times she had more monobrow than other times. Yeah, because it's it just like, a pencil it, line. But it was because it was a pencil line, but in my perspective, I saw it as almost more... Um, that was his perspective. Oh, like, so nice. at times when he was more resentful of her she yeah. had more mustache and more eyebrow especially at bedtime yeah it was more resentful of her then oh yeah yeah because but it's... also like other times where it felt a little less resentful maybe what? maybe it was a choice or maybe it was just was it when it also when he's lighting. trying to like kind of dull her up to like kind of try and find yeah, the potential yeah, when like, he was dulling her up yeah, yeah there yeah. was less of it i just love that one scene where he buys the new dress for her and just literally parades her up and down in front of the club so mm-hmm. that the guys can look at her hips <laughs> And the fact that he has zero, he's so just not actually thinking in her, for her at all. He's just like, oh, well, what will work for me? Oh, he's the most insane yeah. narcissist he's like, ever. Well, it's this the- one, or oh, not that one, or oh, not that one. And the one he settles on, and obviously we think the innuendo, that they, oh, yeah. they're implying that he might be gay or something. Oh, or... the uh, Tonino, I think it is. Yeah. Tonino, the, the singer at the church. Yeah. The singer at the church. And, and he's like, oh, well, I've settled on this one. And she's like, oh, I heard stuff about him. And she whispers something to him. He's like, oh, definitely not Tonino. Then. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. he has zero clue about anyone else. He's just... Only one track thinking of himself the whole time. Which is so surprising that in the beginning of the film that Angela, the young cousin, is also so enamoured with him. Yeah. I find that, like, is that just a young na- naivete kind of thing, I'm, I'm guessing? But I it's, think so. Because it's all of a sudden he's just like, hello, this young beauty. And... <laughs> And, and she sees him with some flowers once. And, and he, and he kind of, I guess he charms her. Charms and it's, her. I mean, because Marcello is a charming motherfucker. Like, in, in just in general. In this oh. film, he's kind of like borderline Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> <laughs> he kept reminding me of, like, if there was an English remake of this film in, like, the early 90s, it's Rowan Atkinson playing that role <laughs> so perfectly. Because he's just got that weird, like, kind of, like downtrodden puppy dog face thing and he's just the barely opening his eyes constantly 
I'm going to get Lee to do like some side-by-sides of what, on, on the Instagram to prove it. Do it. I'm thinking like the tall guy era Rowan Atkinson when he can play a villain and things. But yeah. It, the, the film grabs you pretty instantly because it opens in a... I, I was watching, a, I think it, it was Rebecca Miller on the Criterion channel discussing why she loves this film. I'm, she's a great uh, American filmmaker. She was saying... It, it opens almost like a Scorsese film, where it's fast cuts, like where it's like, here we are, we're mm-hmm. in, and the voiceover. The vo- like, I was going to say the voiceover. Yeah, establishing our world, and it's like, we, it's this small village, there's like one grocery store, but 26 churches, and then it's like, bang, 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 here's all the churches that yeah. we see. It's establishing that kind of playful wit in the dialogue, setting the scenario, setting up how wrapped up in his own world our character is. And then from there, once we get introduced to that world, they're able to pepper in like these moments of surrealism, like the moment with the soup pot and him. Soap. Soup, isn't it? Soap. Were they making soap? Oh man, I was misreading the subtitles real bad there. I I read soap. I read soup, so. It's probably soap. (laughs) I think it was soap making because then we're talking about getting it from the store. I mean, you know, true. (laughs) Let's let's be honest here, neither of us wearing our glasses while watching the movie. (laughs) So we might be totally off. His I name was, was Paul, right? I've written down soap making. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that beautiful shot of the, sl- oh. the push in through the Venetian blinds of his devilish look and the fantasy of him stabbing her and then throwing her in the boiling pot. And then pot. just mixing her in with the soap. It would be lie then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the yeah. lie, yeah. yeah. So she melts down. It melts down. And then also at the beach with the quicksand. You, it's Beach with quicksand. It's so wacky and fun. <laughs> being sent off in a rocket to outer space. That one was crazy. <laughs> that one was just weird. I guess it's the idea of like his her laugh was annoying so he wants her like in a vacuum where there is no sound. Yeah. Yeah. Away from him. Yeah, pretty much. But it's I mean, do we get into the whole cousin of it all? Like uh. that is a leap in 2021 that is Real hard to get over. Real hard to get over. Also her age, because the first thing I did is I leant over and I said, now, he said she went to school with nuns. I think it was like nuns. she attended. She attended school with nuns. And I'm like, okay, so that means she's finished school, yes? <laughs> like, because it's bad, but it's like cousin, bad, but underage, also bad. So, I like, if you were telling I mean, me she's bad, finished... but underage incest she's... is real bad. <laughs> <laughs> then, then he's like, oh, yeah, no, she's finished school. But then later you hear she's only 16, so you're like, oh, and she'd also gone back to school. So you're like, oh. And, and I love his him that scene where he's doing the math of, like, yeah. if he gets convicted for the maximum sentence, he's and 37 she... now, so he'd be 44 when he gets out, and then she'd be, <laughs> what, 23? So, okay, we could make that work. It's like, oh. what the fuck is wrong with you, you, you psycho? Yeah, and he's like, I've been married for fifteen years, and you're like, she's sixteen, so she was a baby when you got married. Yeah. Oh my god. And, like, oh. um, and you've grown up next to her, like you've seen her <laughs> be all different. Ah. Oh. Anyway, it, there's so much wrong with that. But, but I guess I think that's that chauvinist as said in the synopsis. So that's it's that chauvinist um, perspective yeah. of. This is what men think that they have the right to do. Yeah, and, and it's that—that's theirs for the taking. Not just that, but in that society. Yeah, and having a character that is so bullheaded with 
claiming something like that, and and he will go to the most extreme lengths of hatching a plan to that involves dre- like. Oh man, like the whole what ends up happening with dredging up the the wife's former lover before they were married, like or like you know, yeah. the love who was thought was to be lost. lost at war. It's like, man, you were like it's not just I mean, your ultimate goal is to murder her, so it's pretty yeah. bad, but it's also you're fucking with people's hearts in a really bad way. So. And other families at the same time. Yet he does not care and instead he's like whistling while drilling a hole in the wall comically to plant microphones. <laughs> It's so sad. And I was like, oh, the nerve of him. He's drilling the hole to put the microphone in while she's there playing piano. Yeah, it's great. He couldn't oh, even wait. <laughs> love like, it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it is such a brilliant fucking performance. Yeah. It, in any other hand, it could be a... Because it is, and that's the bits that remind character. you that it is a comedy. Yeah, for sure. Because he's such an asshole, such a horribly yeah. unlikable character. Yet he's so likable and so charming, mm-hmm. and you're just waiting. I, I think it to me it, it's because there was that little bit of a lull, kind of towards about the forty-five minute hour mark. Um, it was still super enjoyable, but it was where the plan is kind of going ahead, and it, he's he's picked the painter, and it's all that restoration stuff, and it's. I, I was like, well, this almost feels like we're, I, rightfully so, it's settling into the tropes of a romance story between these two characters now. Yep. Less as a farcical comedy. Um, but that's kind of the purpose of the movie, because that's where it ends up going. It's like, oh, yeah, no, these people were legit in their own movie that was a romance because yeah. they run away together. We just didn't see it. Because mm, we're so dialed in <laughs> on Fefe's, like... Yeah position of like this is gonna work this is gonna work or... so that was the bit that got me so one the title i was like huh but if divorce is a thing because it's called divorce why is this not why aren't they just getting a divorce at this point because they're like he's being called a cuckold once she's left oh yeah and i'm just like i don't get it i'm not sure what's going on i understand that he thinks he's still on his plan or a plan it's not the first plan but it is because his first plan was foiled because they didn't, I don't know, make love in the room that had his gun stashed. But I was just like, but I don't understand. But he didn't do it at, from the public's perspective. He did nothing wrong. Why are they, one, why are they all so angry at him? And two, why... Why can't he just get divorced? Okay, so I've just and looked And now up. that's why you've helped me. Yeah, up. so in 19, there was the 1974 Italian divorce referendum. Oh. Uh, it was originally uh, proposed as a law in 1970 um, and then finally got uh, passed through and divorce was made legal finally in 1974. So that's so, why it's Italian style because the only way to divorce someone is by killing them off. Is off. by the honour killing law. If, oh. Which, um, for those that have haven't seen the film, and it's the base premise thing, uh, which prov- uh, so the honor killing law, which provided mitigating circumstances for anyone kill- who killed their spouse, daughter, or sister. Oh yeah. Note that it's only women there. <laughs> Upon discovering them in quote illegitimate carnal relations, um, yeah. Yep. That law was finally abolished in 1981. 
Oh my god! <laughs> Twenty years after this film, <laughs> forty years ago. So it's pretty amazing that Pietro Germi, the filmmaker, is able to see an insanely sexist, hypocritical law and make an entire farcical comedy out of it. Yeah. And absolutely and we've obliterate. Got the, we've got two really strong examples as well of females and their situations when it's the other way around, when it's a female, a male spouse that's been killed due to the same situation. But they get longer than get even the sentence. much longer. So, yeah, it's that, and zero in that same farcical and, situation. Of, yeah. Mm, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of... Amazing that, yeah. like, he just sets up... The, a, it's fucking insane that a law like this exists. Let me show you how insane it is by giving you an absolute idiot of a protagonist who thinks this is the way, yeah. <laughs> way to go. And gets away with it. Yeah, that's, like, my one issue with the film. I would have loved if there were more attempts, almost, like, uh, or more fantasies of him killing her. Yep. Like, I'm looking at the Criterion cover, and we've got the knife, we've got a ro- the rocket, the gun. Um, um, he imagines that he gets, like, a henchman to shoot her. Well, the ones they've got uh, <laughs> comically pushing out a window. <laughs> uh, they've also got him, like, with a garrote sneaking up behind her, and then also, like, a bottle with, like, a death skull and crossbones, like, pouring into cocktail. Poison, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it would have been fun lean a little bit more uh, yeah, into that. Yeah, a little that. bit of that. Kind of more Looney Tunes it up a bit. But, <laughs> but I guess it's such Happy a... It, it's such a robust story that it kind of has to just get to what it's doing with the whole cuckold yep. storyline. And a cuck he becomes. Oh, yeah. And at that point, I was kind of hoping... Because <laughs> uh, there's an insane, insane scene where it kind of ends up working where... Um, his wife and the painter are kind of rekindling their former romance, and he hears like, "Oh, we're gonna—it'll happen on Tuesday night because there's a big event happening in the town on th- oh, Thursday night." Yeah. And the big event is a screening of La Dolce Vita, which <laughs> it made you go, "Huh?" I, it's super <laughs> fucking weird. Um, because it's a Fellini film that came out one year earlier, <laughs> starring Marcello Mastroianni as the lead role. It's super weird, <laughs> but I guess is that it's kind of again it adds to that playful nature of like, oh, this is outside of that world, and we're really in the yeah. cartoony it's of it a all. Comedy, yeah, and so it's okay. That happens in comedy. It's like Bradley Cooper in a mo- romantic comedy going to see A Star Is Born. Yeah, well, The Hangover. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> oh no, like it'd be A Star Is Born, like because the Dolce Vita like won a lot of Academy Awards and oh. stuff. Like it was huge. I mean, The Hangover was huge, I guess, but. <laughs> I like that I went with the hangover. Yeah. No, it, it's definitely all about Steve. Huh? But yeah, so he comes home. Uh, Fernando, F- Fernandino comes home to, he thinks, catch his wife and the painter having sex. And it's like, yes, here we go. It's going to happen. And instead catches her leaving him. Yeah. And I lost my shit at that point because he's like, fuck, I got to go. I got to I gotta get her. I got to chase her down. It's so, like, he's so in his own head that he's not allowing her to... Like, it, I'm viewing this in the modern kind of prism of, like, dude, it's, it's, it worked out for you without you having to murder someone. Yeah. So just let it be. But what ends up happening is he gets labelled a cuck. <laughs> Which, yeah. th- 
which isn't a word that we use anymore. Yeah, what? certain sectors of the internet and uh, oh. groups of people definitely do. Okay, was it a word that I've ever used yeah, yeah, until it's, it's today? A, it's a very used-ish word, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I find it very funny that a, a 1960s Italian comedy is... The entire third act is based around being a cuck. <laughs> Made me giggle. I like um, that he was getting letters. Imagine what he'd get on the internet. Not just that, but he's like sorting the letters as ones that he can use in his case later as to proving yeah. how dishonoured he was. Yeah. And he's like smiling and whistling while sorting the mail that's like, yeah. hey, we're with, we stand with you and feel bad for you. He's like, nope, not nope, that pile. Not that one. Cuck, burn in hell. Yes, yes, yes. yes. This is all going in the all yes my pile. my evidence pile. <laughs> yeah. And he's. This is the moment where the performance to me, sh- like, just gets to next level because he. It, it's like he's. And I, I was kind of believing that everyone was really sad around him because I was like, I don't get it. Yeah, well, it's like I suppose in that time, it's like that is full yeah. dishonor because they were like an aristocracy, like they ca- yeah. came from aristocracy, and it was like this big. They're a big deal in the town, and to be dishonored like that, it's. You know, he's dishonoring got, the family, the town. Yeah. And everyone's just, just ta- the rumors and talking behind his back. And the moments where he's just like, all right, time for me to shine. And he like w- goes for the walk through the town. Yeah. And with he just the like hang dog his, face. He hang dog face and he just pops his head in everywhere. Yeah. And then he like comes back home. He's like, perfect. It worked. <laughs> and you're like, huh? Yeah. Huh? And, like, it's, it's amazing that like, A, the plan worked. It, it's just so, it's such an odd, odd little weird funny story that I never would have expected to see. Yeah. Do we get into the the ending ending? Like, I mean, sp- oh, spoilery, I, you know. I guess before um, anything else, I just had one other note, which is we have to talk about his father. Oh, and because, the creepiness yeah, with so they, what I labelled as intergenerational creeps. Yep. Because both the father and the son are caught at various points. Like at the in the beginning, they're both like they have their binoculars oh, yeah, out they're, looking they're, they're at being Angela. Creepy peepers. They're being creepy peepers, and um, then the father just actually flat out tries to like yeah hook up with the housekeeper yeah, a and, lot. and then to take it to the to a much later and very later scene, he's also used as an example of horribleness. In the court case, yeah, to saying, be like, of course, he's ended up like this way. Look at what his <laughs> look at his father, father. <laughs> and he's got all of these like bastards out there yeah. or something. And I love the the cut to the father in the courtroom, just being like, "Who me?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like so, basically, uh, Fernandino catches up. Like you know, he ends up getting his name dragged through the mud enough that he's just like, "All right, I've, this is we're at our peak moment here." I'm going to track them down. I'm going to murder my wife. And Oh, but um, first of all, he gets, gets the peak moment because of the letter mistake. The letter mistake with um, Angela's father, a.k.a. Angela's, his, so we, his uncle. Yeah, he's horrible enough that he just like, well, the father's died, but he's not going to let Angela know it's because he read the letter. Yeah, and knows about no, their love because, no, no it's fine. It's no, fine. he's just going to keep. Yeah, Take so, the letter. So he's like, like I've been that. publicly shamed at my uncle's funeral. Perfect. Yeah. In front of the whole town. She's Perfect. Spat on me. Yes. <laughs> so he hunts her down, kills her, gets uh, sentenced to three years in prison, 
but he gets out super early because of good behavior because he's a rich white man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which and, again and, is, and, and the smugness. Because, and, he, and he says, it's like, because sometimes there are pardons and it'd been ages since they're pardoned. So it, had it was my had time. A pardon. It was right. So it was my time. It was right for me to get the pardon. That's, You're like, oh, that's what? what's so good about the satire oh. in this one. It is just the matter of factness of the smug dickheadery of these rich, rich fucking white dudes is so perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then we kind of get this wonderful little ending where, you know, he gets off and he's just like, oh my God, what's going to happen with Angela? Cut to them getting married. Yeah. And then... Which um, is totally approved of by their family. Yeah, everyone seems super yeah, stoked. they're like, yeah, this is great. Your Should babies aren't going to be like weird this. or anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how we all ended up like, oh God. Um, <laughs> and they're on their honeymoon... And, and he's like, yes, this is what 40s should be like. And he's loving life. But meanwhile, he should be like, once a cuck, always a cuck. <laughs> it's almost you reap I, what you sow. I so desperately went because it zooms in with Angela playing footsies with the boat captain. I so wanted it to end with like a the end question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Sequels weren't really a thing then. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking like the blob, like the original blob style. Like that would have been perfect. But this film's super enjoyable. Like, I had a great time watching this. It's, I mean, it has those deeper elements, the, like, the, the satire of the chauvinist male culture and things and how antiquated all of these laws and the way that women are treated are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I'm loving that I'm not having another male guest on this episode. So, um, but apart from that, it's the performances are all fucking top-notch. Marcello Mastriano is just awesome in this film. Um, The camera work and the editing is kind of... Like I was saying, you can really see the influence things like this have had on people like Scorsese and, like I said, like Elaine May and things. These kind of... uh, The few times Scorsese makes a outright comedy, it seems very much in this kind of vein. Like the kind of... and, And the cinematography as well, I thought, was beautiful. A lot of amazing dolly shots and uh, like the rack focusing zooms and things when it's like he you know the news travels of him actually finally have killed his wife it's like and like everyone excitedly reading the news and looking at the newspapers and being like sweet murder yeah he finally did it Mm, (laughs) no longer a cuck yeah he's good for you buddy for himself with through violence And retribution. Defending his honor. Uh, it's, it, I really dug this movie. It just a nice, light, fun, like, especially coming after. I mean, I love the Andre Vaja films, but like we said, it was a two hours of people living in shit. Like, you know, it's it was a lot of hard, deep stuff. And so to come out with And no just, one was living in shit here. No. I mean, no. they were shit people, but they, they were, were super people. entertaining. Yeah. So to get something like this is just like, ah, breath of fresh air. It, fresh it's, air. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a good comedy. But um, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts on this one? Like, kind of wrapping it up, I guess? You, um, you enjoyed it, right? I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It was a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. And that, that's good. It makes me think more about what it is that I actually appreciate in comedy. Nice. Lovely. Hmm. And I want you to know that I am uh, not planning on trying to uh, honour law you. 
great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to find Chris a way is just imagining me, with me so a, I can murder you. Chris is imagining me with a giant monobrow. <laughs> yeah, and just oh, the moustache. Although, <laughs> the one bit I could relate, so his wife at one point, like, pulls a grey hair oh, out yeah. of him, and I was just looking over at him like, is this Chris going to say, see, this is why you shouldn't do these things? Because I will honour kill you if <laughs> no. you constantly pluck me. I just... I, I said pluck. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Chris has bushy eyebrows. Yeah, I want to fix them all the time. Yeah. And and the ear hair. And yeah, and ear. I'm a hairy man. Yeah, I'm a hairy man. <laughs> <laughs> but normally it's about this time in the episode where we would uh, chime in to see what you, Claire, thought this movie was going to be about. And I would have been wrong. What would you? No, we won't. No. The one I was. I I said it's like Marriage Story, just. In um, Italian. Italian. Yeah, That's so, what I okay. predicted yeah. ahead of time. You heard 1960s like, Italian. A month ago like, when oh. you're like, you, this is what you're going to do. Mm. You made me look like Lee's laughing. Haha, <laughs> you're going to do that. And I'm like, this sounds like it's going to be a marriage story, but in Italian. Which? Once again, there'll be a kid who can't read it at an alarming Ooh. age. <laughs> I showed Claire Marriage Story and you enjoyed it, but you yeah. could not get past, yeah, like... Yeah, as an educator. <laughs> that kid is way too underdeveloped. His reading age, compared to his actual age, there were significant issues there and he should have been in some remedial reading courses and all sorts of things, but they were way more concerned with themselves. Yeah, they, they were too busy worrying about their... analysis of their, Marriage Story. The plays that get grants yeah. and things, yeah. yeah, and their movie careers. Yeah. They didn't realise that their kid can't read. Kid can't read good. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <sighs> so we'll have you on Marriage Story when we eventually get to that yeah. film in like 30 years' time. <laughs> oh, no, Lee, Lee can give her opinion too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, on, well, speaking of Lee's opinion, we thought it would be fun to kind of invert things and uh, let's find out what Lee thinks this film's going to be about. Well, with the sound of that very fucking weird backwards music, <laughs> it means it's time for another... <laughs> I guess it's the first version of... See, Lee doesn't even know what the title of the segment no. is. <laughs> in your in your defense, uh, Claire forgets it every week anyway. It's, uh, what's this movie about? Ah, what's this movie about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I figured we're in backwards world. Claire's hosting the podcast. You're guesting in this little segment. So it's a real Mike Lee situation. Yeah. Topsy-turvy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> backwards man. Anytime I can make a Gilbert and Sullivan joke, I'm on board. <laughs> um, yes. So as you, we normally do with this little segment, you're going to get a couple of pieces of information. You are going to get the title of the film. The year of release, the country of origin, and the cover art, if you like. Okay. So the film is Divorce Italian Style. Wow. From, 19, from, 19, <laughs> from 1961, and it's Portuguese. No, it's Italian. Ah. Uh. <laughs> of course it's Italian. <laughs> you could and have done it. And there is the cover art. Okay, okay, 1961, can you put it back? Let me have a look. <laughs> put it back. Okay, so, Divorce Italian Style, it looks to me 
like this movie is about uh, a man who is in a terrible marriage and he wants out. But because of his uh, Catholic religion, um, he cannot get divorced. So therefore, he decides to try to kill his wife. But unfortunately, uh, she will not die. So she, he, he tries to shoot her. It doesn't work. He tries to throw her out the window. It doesn't work. He tries to boil her. <laughs> You're just going off of the images of that. And it won't work. So that is the Italian style of the divorce. But eventually um, he realizes through all his attempts that he actually loves her. And that was the beginning of spousal abuse. The end. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, out of the, like, 20-odd episodes we've now been doing this segment, that is the closest anyone has ever gotten to guessing the synopsis. <laughs> you, are, you are not far off. I, I will read you the, uh, the Criterion synopsis now. Baron Fernando Cifalo... Uh, played by Marcello Mastrioni, longs to marry his nubile young cousin, Angela. Yeah. <laughs> but obstacles stand in his way. His fatuous and fawning wife, Rosalia. His solution? Since divorce is illegal in Italy, he hatches a plan to lure his, his spouse into the arms of another and then murder her in a justifiable effort to save his honour. Wow. So, yeah, basically, you are not far off. It is a guy who is sick of his marriage and wants to kill his wife, but to justifiably do that because divorce is illegal, or, like, leave his wife, he, he has to kill her. But there is a law that, uh, in doing the episode, Claire and I found out, um, only got abolished in 1981, <gasps> uh, called the Honor Law, where if a man has been made a cuckold, he has ju- he can justifiably kill his wife or sister or girlfriend or lover. I um, know that... I like that I know what cuckold is now. Yep. What episode oh, did I learn that on? I can't remember, but it was top to bottom in this film. <laughs> to the point of, like, Claire's like, that's a word we don't hear, and I'm like, well... <laughs> so, um... Also, I love that you did this episode with your wife. Oh yes, yes. She, like the whole the whole episode opened with us just being like, because Lee thought it would be funny. <laughs> Yay! All right. Uh, so the last thing we've got to do before we wrap up this episode mm-hmm. is a tagline challenge. What have you got for us, Claire? Okay, I've sort of gone through ideas. It's actually a different. It's a play on a title of a movie. Okay. It is. How to lose your wife in ten ways. Hey, nice, nice. So how to lose a guy in ten days. I like it because I, like I was it. like ten days, but then I'm like, no, it's ten ways because yeah. there's all these different ways that he goes about trying to lose her. Not specifically kill her, but yeah, kill her. That's... But lose your how to lose your wife in ten ways. I like it. That's good. Um, mine was uh, I've got two. I've got uh, the kind of small. The one I'll mainly go with is uh, Divorce Italian Style. Till death do we part. Oh. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and my joke one that I came up with was uh, one flies over the cook the cuckold's nest. <laughs> one flew over the cuckold's Another nest. Film. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, yeah. Oh, that's so good. So, please, listeners, if you have any uh, ones that come to mind for you, <laughs> let us know. Nest. <laughs> uh, otherwise, um, do you want to hear a little bit of trivia about the film? Yes. All right. So I the, forgot to say it. You got, it's call and response here. Oh. Yes, yes, and. <laughs> um, the film was nominated for three Academy Awards. Uh, best Director for Pietro Germi. Best Actor for Marcello Mastrioni, making him the first actor to be nominated for a foreign language performance. Ooh. Yep. And it won Best Screenplay. Oh. Yeah. So it won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. Uh, It was also nominated for two BAFTAs, Best Film from Any Source, and Best Foreign Actress for Daniela Roca, who played uh, his wife. Oh, good. Because um, I was going to say Angela wasn't that great an actor. No. And uh, Mastrioni won Best Foreign Actor. Uh, it was nominated for the Palm Door at the 1962 Cannes Film Festival, where it won the Best Comedy Prize. Why is that still not a prize at Cannes? That'd be awesome. So there's like the Palm Door, and then they're like, ah, Best Comedy Film. Why not? Yeah, they should do that. I like a good comedy, and mm. I feel like they aren't honoured in the same way that a dramatic Mm-mm. film will be. Which is weird because it's... It, to pull off a successful comedic performance is so much harder than a... Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think, like, personally, for, than a drama... Like, a hefty, lofty, dramatic one. Like, let's see Daniel Day-Lewis be funny, motherfucker. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy was nominated for the DGA Award. Uh, Directors Guild for Best Director. Oh. And the National Board of Review listed it as one of the top foreign films of the year. Uh, I already talked about how the honour killing law was finally <laughs> mm. gotten rid of in 1981, uh, 20 years after the release of this film. Uh, we've talked about how it was super weird that everyone in the village goes to watch La Dolce Vita, which stars uh, Marciello. And by everyone, I mean there were mostly just males in the theatre when they showed the which is Audience. leads into the whole idea of, because there was a little bit of controversy around La Dolce Vita because of the the bombshell sex bot kind yeah, of and, aspect. Yeah, and a lot of males just with their like jaws hanging open agape. Yeah, yeah, it's it's again kind of helping mm. lead into that satire of yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephanie Sandrelli, uh, who played Angela, uh, had problems crying in the scene where Marcello, Marcello got spat on uh, for being a cuckold. Um, after many uh, wasted takes and having been uh, and having been prompted by an onlooker, uh, Pietro Germi, <laughs> uh, with a unlit half cigar in his mouth, got up from his chair, walked over to her, and gave her two good slaps. <laughs> Sandelli was embarrassed. Uh, Sandrelli was embarrassed because she had been slapped in front of hundreds of people, and really did begin crying. And that was the scene they used in the final shot. Um, note Ooh. for anyone making uh, directing out there: don't do that. Actors' unions. Don't don't do Fuck. that unless your actor asks you to. Yeah, That's I thought shitty. it was going to say like she asked someone to like you know stand on her toe or something. No, no, uh, he mm. fully James Cameroned it and just tri- treated his actors like like shit like animals and cattle and they didn't do what he wanted yeah so that sucks uh <laughs> but then again when you also when you said cigar in hand i thought you were gonna say you something much. Her, yeah no. 
Um, but I find it so interesting that it's like, okay, yeah, this is an independent film. You're wasting a lot of time and money and mm. wasting take after take after take. But I love that he's prompted by an extra. Just someone there on the set yelled out, fucking slapper. And he's like, yeah, good idea. And that's what prompted him to do it. <laughs> so insane. Yeah. <laughs> good Lord. They can't see, you can't see me shaking my head. But yeah, I it, it's, there's a lot of stories like that in old productions. It's rough. Uh, Sandrelli said in a 2011 magazine interview that she still has the bikini she wore from the film in her Look, possession. She looks really good in that. Bikini. She looked really good in that. Yeah. So, and that's kind of so obviously she does look back fondly and not about being slapped in the face <laughs> in front of hundreds of people. Um, actress and former model Daniela Roca was deliberately made less attractive for her role of Rosalia. On set, Roca reportedly fell in love with director Pietro Germi. And started and started with him an unhappy sentimental sentimental relationship, which eventually led to the actress. Holy shit! Sorry, I'd prepped this trivia a while ago. I was reading that in such a lighter tone than it needed to be, and I think this is a rabbit hole we know. So, uh, yeah, they made her look less attractive uh, on the set, and as Rocker, we su- as we suspected. Yep, uh, I love the fact that she was a model, and they're like, "We're gonna mm. ugly you up." She fell in love with the director. And started with him an unhappy, sentimental relationship, which eventually led to the actress to attempt suicide. Oh, God. Oof. Um, I am going to quickly look up and hope that she is okay. Oh, no. I mean, attempted suicide, but yeah. yeah. But I even so, you like, oh. So he, he was obviously playing with her and sort of almost letting her do it to be a method... I guess, like, of, you know, acting in, like, her, in the way that she was acting. Yeah. yeah, it, like, kind of helped coax out a performance from her, yeah. like, who was such, so lovey-dovey and things. Mm-hmm. Um, she died in 1995, so okay there. Okay. Um, yeah, she, she went on to act in maybe about ten more things, like, nothing really of huge note. Uh, You've gone down a rabbit hole. Yeah. So, voluptuous Italian actress and model, a former beauty queen, and Miss Catania Catania of 1953 at the age of 15. A suicide attempt and a spell in mental hospitals uh, resulted from the end of a relationship with uh, director Jeremy brought a, a premature end to her acting career. Um, she was judged insane and committed to an institution at the age of 35, but then went on to write and publish five books. Oh, okay. So insane means not what people wanted her to be. Yes. <sighs> kind of, yeah. It seems like very much like idealizing her and things and mm. yeah. Well, that's a bummer. That's an odd way. Yeah, sorry, we're ending on this weird rabbit hole thing. But yes, that was that's super interesting, though. Yeah. I'm um, glad that she was able to, you know, pull herself together and, you know. Obviously, she was still artistically yeah. incredibly creative and capable. Exactly. So hopefully that's, yep. <laughs> um, on that note, <laughs> segues are hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the film is still uh, in print from Criterion as a two-disc DVD. It's also available to watch on the Criterion channel. 
And it comes with Pietro Germi, uh, The Man with a Cigar in His Mouth, a 39-minute documentary by, 39 minute documentary by uh, critic and filmmaker Mario Sesti, featuring interviews with Germi's longtime friends and collaborators. Delighting in contrast, a new 30-minute collection of interviews with Sesti and actors Lando Buzanka and Stephanie Sandrelli discussing Jeremy on the set of Divorce Italian Style. Um, a new interview with screenwriter Ennio Di Conacini. Uh, rare screen test footage of actress Daniela Rocca and Stephanie Sandrelli. As well as the usual booklet and essays, including uh, pieces by uh, Andrew Saris and Martin Scorsese. Talking about how much they love this movie. Okay. So, good, good Criterion edition. Um, despite ending on kind of some weird bummery rabbit hole stuff, oh, yeah. um, super entertaining film, yeah. really lovely, surprisingly light, darkly funny. Yeah, it's definitely romp. a dark comedy. It's a fun romp, yeah. I would say. Um, and I, it, despite us having spoiled it, go give it a look. It, yeah. It's really fun if you haven't watched it. Do it. Uh, and I'm glad you you enjoyed it as well, Claire. It would have sucked if this was a slow. Yeah, if I was like, uh, why? Oh my god! I what guess. I, why was I here? Yeah, because it said divorce, and that's funny to and have le- your wife on. And lethal. That would be a fun <laughs> joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Thank you for jumping on this episode and yeah, chatting divorce Italian style with me. <laughs> uh, Lee's not going to be back next episode either. Ooh, by the way. Uh, because we're diving into Burden of Dreams, the documentary about making of Werner Herzog's Fitzcarraldo. So we're going to have uh, another special guest host on for that one, someone who is a big Werner Herzog fan. So a little bit of a spoil, like tease there. Uh, but after that, Lee's I'm even back. questioning. I'm like, who's the Who's the, who's the Herzog fan? Ooh. Yeah, you'll have to tune in to find out. Tune in. But as always, thank you everyone for listening. Um, you can rate uh, if you could please rate and review the podcast. Um, you know it always helps. Uh, as well, we've got the Patreon where we've uh, we've kind of stopped doing the themed commentaries for now, and instead not because you're not stopping commentaries. No, we're definitely keeping the commentaries going, but yeah. we're flying by the seat of our pants now. Woo-hoo. Whatever movie we want to discuss or comes to mind or has even been uh, suggested by one of you guys, we're going to sit down and do a commentary on. Woo-hoo. So I think uh, in a week, like we've just wrapped things up with looking at our films from trilogies. So we've got, you know, uh, Lee trying to explain why Temple of Doom is the best Indiana Jones and me explaining <laughs> why she's wrong. <laughs> um, but I think in about two weeks' time, the beginning of July, we're going to be dropping a commentary track on. What, what I think is one of the most unsung comedies in Hollywood history, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Another comedy I enjoy. Yep. So uh, you can head over to the criteria, uh, patreon.com slash the Criterion Quest. I'll link to it in the episode notes as usual. Um, so for five bucks a month, you help support the show, keep us going, uh, the server costs, all of that. Uh, but we give you some wonderful commentaries, extra content, uh, early access to a brand new series, I'm doing with our friend Toby, looking at the films of Ridley and Tony Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott, trying to uh, figure out who is better, who's the <laughs> better filmmaker. Um, but yeah, so head over to that. Uh, otherwise, Lee's killing it on our Instagram, or you can follow me on Twitter at Criterion Quest. At, yeah, at Criterion Quest. Or you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. That's all the business out of the way. Claire, thank you again. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Uh, For this week's episode, I'm Chris. And I'm Claire. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 